Test, test. Test, 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 test. Two, one, zero. All engines running. Commit liftoff. Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join our discussion, you can do so at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at Taylor at SWATradio.com. That's Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R at SWATradio.com. As you noticed, I said Taylor, not ask at SWAT Radio. That means that Doug is out of the studio today. He is out of town. Uh Uh-oh. And I am joined in the studio uh, with Jay Haig is in the studio with me from Living Without Lust. Uh, Jay has a conference coming up next week, and so he's in to talk uh, with us about the conference as well as uh, just his ministry and his life. So, Jay, how are you doing today? Doing great, Taylor. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a joy to be with you and to uh, talk about this very important subject. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, let's talk about the conference and then talk a little bit about, you know, um, your life and how you, how you got into this ministry. So okay. uh, what, what, what can you tell us about the conference? Well, um, first of all, our organization is called Living Without Lust, and uh, we were formed about eight years ago, a group of men who uh, wanted to bring this message to uh, Christians, um, uh, Christian men primarily. Our motto is we help men who struggle with lust and support the Christian leaders who serve them. So we have two foci, as it were. Uh, One is to help individual men who have lust and porn struggles, because many do. Statistics, Barna tells us that 30 to 50% of Christian men view porn regularly. Many are hiding it. Many don't know what to do about it. They don't know where to turn. And so we are people who have been through that. Uh, I have been through that. I can tell you some of my story later. But we are dedicated to uh, helping these men. We'll get into how we do that a little bit later. But the conference is coming up right here at the Salem Center. Friday night we're going to have a dinner. And the dinner is for therapists, pastors, leaders of Christian organizations, and others who would like to come and to hear our very important guest speaker, who is Dr. Jake Porter from Houston, He's world-renowned. He's a CSAT, Certified Sex Addiction Therapist. And the subject is going to be Freedom to Flourish, a biblical look at the neurobiology of addiction, trauma, and relationships. Wonderful thing we have now is that the brain, we've seen that how porn and lust issues affect the brain. And those things stay in there. Uh, When we're first exposed to pornography, the brain uh, pathways expand. The chemicals are pumped. And those things stay in there until there's a degree of abstinence that takes place. And even then, they stay there to some extent for the rest of our lives once we're addicted. So we're going to take this head on, um, and we're going to show on Friday night. uh, Jake is going to be our guest speaking about um, Freedom to Flourish. He'll be showing how we can help uh, men who struggle with this issue. Then Saturday, the next day, will be an all-day conference with Dr. Jake Porter for men. If you're interested in either one of those, the Friday night dinner at 6.30 here at the Salem Center or the all-day conference Saturday, you can go to livingwithoutlust.com to register, and there's more information there. You just click on the dinner if you want to come to the Friday dinner. If you're any kind of a leader, if you lead a Bible study, if you're a father or a grandfather, come to the uh, Friday dinner. Um, All men can come to the Saturday dinner. 
Saturday, sorry, Saturday conference, and you can sign up there as well. So dinner and conference. Awesome. Sounds great. And, uh, again, that's livingwithoutlust.com, livingwithoutlust.com. Um, sounds like it's pretty cool. I noticed it says fifth annual. Um, is this, how long has Living Without Lust been, uh, been an organization? We've been going just almost eight years. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, but we've had, had five conferences. The first year we were in St. Augustine, did it kind of off-site with about 32 guys. The next year we had about 70 here. We did it in-house. The next year we had Jay Stringer, who's the uh, author of uh, the book Unwanted. He came. We had about 100. And then we instituted the Leaders' Dinner. Last year, of course, was COVID. Mm-hmm. So we had Kurt Thompson do a three-hour Zoom seminar in the morning. Um, we had about 60 guys come to that um, and now this year we're going back to uh, face-to-face, which we're committed to doing uh, from here on in. Awesome. Sounds great. And uh, you said that there's eight uh, guys got together originally. Um, is it so you got, I guess I'm trying to get like the organization, uh, you got, you guys just came together and, and then how, how did, how did, what did you do to, you know, to start uh, the it's ministry? It's an excellent question. What we saw, and we're all in um, addiction recovery. Mm. And there were three of us, actually. And what we did was we thought, we're only seeing men after they crash. In other words, they, uh, the wife files for divorce. They get fired from work for looking at porn. Mm. They um, uh, get caught in a park. They catch a disease. They go to jail. Whatever it may be, um, we only see them when we crash. So we decided we needed to partner with the church, because we were all Christians, partner with the church, to have a shared outreach. Um, one of the most exciting things that we're involved with nationally is there's a larger group of about 300 people called the Sexual Integrity Leadership Summit, and we're all working across the nation in various aspects of this. Mm-hmm. But with Living Without Lust, we decided we wanted to, to teach and help um, pastors and leaders to be able to communicate this issue, ministry, minister helpfully to uh, men who are struggling, to have somebody standing behind them like us who would give them the resources that they needed and uh, partner with them um, to reach this thing because it is, it's a very problematic disease. A lot of people uh, get started very young, and when, once you get started, it's very hard to know where that will take you. For yeah. some people, it takes them to jail mm. because they can't stop, and um, we want to try to prevent that, and we also want to help people um, learn to live more deeply into their faith uh, as time goes on. Yeah, and, you know, th- the age trends are going, you know, downward. It's younger and younger that people are getting exposed to this, uh, you know, boys and girls, obviously, but um, particularly for the men, it's, it's or the young men, it's difficult. Um, and then with the advent of high-speed Internet, you know, which was around like 2006, right, I think you've probably seen those problems uh, compound greatly, right, and some of the, the deviant uh directions that goes uh are you seeing so you've been around for eight years so you're dealing mostly with that internet type stuff but have you seen that trend of uh uh, young men with incontinence and stuff like that is that growing more and more yeah there's a diagnosis is peed p-i-e-d porn induced erectile dysfunction Hmm. you notice in the newspaper i don't know if anybody reads the newspaper the newspaper they're running ads of guys in their 20s and 30s and 40s talking about erectile dysfunction Hmm. There's no reason that a man, I'm 70, I don't have erectile dysfunction. <laughs> there is no reason for a man to have it. The reason people have it often in this culture 
is that they are used to exercising their sexuality toward a picture or a movie or some other illicit activity. And they can't get excited enough, if I can use those terms, with their spouse, with their wife, to uh, perform. And so there's actually a secular group of men. There was an uh, article in Time magazine several years ago who are quitting porn. They were not Christians. They wanted to quit porn because they realized that it was inhibiting their relationships with their girlfriends. Well, the analogy I use today is if you look at fentanyl, we all know that um, uh, those kinds of uh, drugs are more widely available than they've ever been. There are more people who have died from fentanyl under 49 than have died from COVID. As a matter of fact, twice the number Hmm. over the last two years. So if pornography is the fentanyl of the Internet Hmm. and is so widely available and it's free, because if you're a teenager, you're not spending lots of money. You're not getting in a car and driving down to the inner city or to the convenience store. You're making a click, click, and you're in. Mm-hmm. And so what we see is that the ages are getting younger and younger and younger. And we want to try to prevent this lifetime addiction from taking place. And if it is in place in some way, we want to bring them help and community because we can't do it alone. Yeah. Um, do you have any uh, uh, about the ages, like what the average age of first contact with that is now? Average exposure to hardcore porn is eight. Oh. Eight years old. That's wild. And what we notice, I've been in uh, sexual addiction recovery for almost 30 years, off and on, is that when I first got in, everybody was over 40. Mm. So why is that? It's because people don't experience the consequences until they've lived a while. Everybody thinks when they're in their teen years or in their 20s, and Christian men say, oh, I'll give this up when I get married. Mm -hmm. Because I, I need this, I'll get married. But it's not... An equivalency there. Mm-hmm. The reality is that getting married is not the solution. So what we're seeing now is in the rooms of recovery, half the room now is under 35 and a third of the room is under 30. Mm. A lot of 20-somethings. And if you come to this conference, you'll see a lot of young people. If you're th- you know, thinking about coming to the conference, you think, well, I'm too young. You're not too young. It's better to get a hold of it now and... Um, to begin to put in place the things that will bring you into recovery and freedom before it gets worse. Yeah, and, you know, it's uh, it's something that I think, you know, you're talking about people who, uh, oh, you know, when I get married, you know, I'll give that up then, and not really realizing the, the, the neurochemistry that's going on, how the wires in the brain are getting switched up, and, and that is something that is not really talked about a whole lot. I mean, I, I think maybe 10 years ago I started to see stuff about that, you know, and this before I was married. So, you know, I was out there doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And, uh, yeah, that, that was something that was kind of like, Oh, well, there's consequences to this. And no one told me about those type of consequences really, um, when I was younger. And, uh, so it was unfortunate. I, you know, fortunately didn't have, you know, access to high speed internet at a young age. So, um, access was much more difficult but i see people who have had that at their fingertips for so long and not just you know how they are towards it but also their thoughts on women and on relationships and really broader cultural uh thoughts as well are just so skewed and i don't think many people see how you know porn is a direct relation to that one of the exciting things that's going on taylor is the combination of this neurobiology and the christian faith and that is going to be 
a big part of our conference. Um, and we'll talk about more about that later. All right, so we are up against the break. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. I push, I pull, go back and forth, finding myself. Pounding on a locked door, I try to make it out alone without your help. But I know I never win this war. I can never be, never be free without That is Austin French with Freedom Hymn. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you're new to SWAT, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And generally, um, most days of the week, me, Taylor Johnson, and Doug McCary are in the studio. But Doug is out today, and in his seat we have Jay Haig of Living Without Lust. And we have been talking about the issue of lust, talking about his organization, as well as their uh, men's conference that's coming up next week. It is going to be here at the Salem Center uh, 7235 Bonneville Road. Um, it'll be from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. There's also Friday there uh, the night. What time does that start? 6.30. At 6.30, there's going to be um, a dinner for men. Um, if you would like to know more about that, you can go to livingwithoutlust.com. That's livingwithoutlust.com. Um, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more as we go, but you, you mentioned a few times in the last segment, you know, your story. So I'm curious, you know, we don't, we just met, you know, so I don't really know, you know, a whole lot about your life and your story. So, um, oh, it's Bentley Road now. I'm sorry, I forgot. They, they changed, it's Bonneville Road, it's Bentley Road. They, oh, uh, no. <laughs> they changed the name, yeah, so I forgot. My bad. Thank you, Steve. Um, anyway. If they put Bonneville Road on the GPS, they'll be though, able to, I think they'll be able to find it, yeah. Um, but anyway, you, you know, you're just a little bit about your story. Just curious about, you know, you how you came to be here, uh, you know, doing this. And so, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? I grew up in New England. Um, I will grow up in a, uh, a well-to-do background. My father was. Uh, my parents were both Ivy League graduates. Mm. Um, I attended Williams College, the number one liberal arts college in the country, according to U.S. News and World Report. Mm. Graduated, went to seminary in England, came back, went to Virginia Seminary, uh, was involved in uh, several congregations, one in Massachusetts, one in Pennsylvania, and then the one here in Florida. I came and then planted a church. Uh, I was an Episcopal priest. Uh, my uh, The way I got here was that I was a runner. I was a 
um, a uh, track and field and cross country okay. runner. Yeah. And uh, my track coach was a priest, and uh, we kept in touch. And he eventually brought me down here, hmm. and then I planted a church. Um, so my background um, is very similar to a lot of people in sex addiction recovery in the sense that a lot of us have experienced childhood trauma. And when I was eight years old, I went to a Episcopal camp. I won't say what state it's in. And um, I was uh, physically abused at that camp. Mm. Um, then I attended another camp. It was the choir camp, and I was sexually abused at that camp when I was mm. 11. So I had a lot of trauma, in, and I had no idea what um, what that did to me because I was all alone. I didn't know anybody was going through what I got went through. Uh, got into pornography and masturbation as a teenager. Um, kind of built a full head of steam. Never thought that that would um, do, go anywhere else. Uh, eventually it did uh, after I got married. And... Um, as a result of those things, um, I had a marital separation. I went into treatment, and that was the first time I understood what was going on. Mm. understood that I was addicted. And I saw a series of videos by Patrick Carnes, who's kind of the godfather of sex addiction. Mm. If you want to look him up, he wrote a book called Out of the Shadows. But he had a series of videos called Contrary to Love, 18 of them, and I watched every single one, and I could not believe that that was describing me. So um, got into recovery. I didn't um, fully get into everything in the program. Basically went in to kind of uh, tell my story, um, have a fellowship, and then I just kind of went out and acted the same way. Mm. Um, finally. Um, what year was this around? Sorry. This was in 1993. Okay, wow. Yeah. So I left the ministry when I was 42, and uh, I never went back because I didn't feel that I should be there because mm. I didn't get a hold of this lust thing for a long time. Still don't have a hold of it, but um, I've been now been in sobriety and recovery for quite a while. Um, I have had a couple slips along the way, but that's sometimes happens. So um, I went into secular work. Um, my wife and I reconciled. We've now been married 42 years. We're very happily married. We had to work on our intimacy, work on our connection, work on forgiving each other, understanding each other. I've had to work hard on earning trust back. And um, that's been a healthy, um, not always even, but a, a healthy and positive road. And I'm in a very good place right now. So as I mentioned, the... Finally, after I got into recovery and I let go and I began to work the steps and understand that um, God and my faith and my recovery could all come together as one piece, that's when I really got excited. I wrote a book called The Rest of God, Finding Freedom from Lust in the Internet Age. It's a commentary on the epistle to the Hebrews. Mm. It's um, part of my story as well. You can find it on Amazon.com. And I began to reintegrate my faith. And after I began to do that, began to say to myself, okay, I mean, and getting to the end of my working life, this was, you know, seven, eight years ago, I was 64 or so, what can I do? How can I take this and begin to help others with it? And that's when I gathered these other guys who were from a similar stories, similar backgrounds, we began to put together this 
idea of uh, the Living Without Lust nonprofit. And, you know, Taylor, when you put something together, it's really a journey with the Lord. It's mm-hmm. not all all the I's are not dotted and T's are crossed. And we're doing slightly different things now than we were seven years ago because God has led us in different directions. Um, our board of directors has changed. Um, it's uh, rolled over 100%. Um, hmm. People have served, and then they've gone on to other things, and other people have been drawn in. And I think we're more effective now than we've ever been. So what do we do? We do a lot of one-on-one consultations. Somebody calls up. It's a pastor. I, get, I talk to pastors all the time. I've been fired from my job for looking at porn, for having an adulterous relationship, for taking videos in bathrooms. Oh. All of those things I've had calls on. And what do I do now? And so what we usually um, urge people, we say if there's this four pillars of recovery, that's what we got, the four activities that you need to do. If you do these four things, it's likely that you can um, – move forward in healing. We don't talk about putting our lives back together because they're never going to be the way they were. Mm-hmm. Marriages are never going to be the way, the way they were. The marriage we had was not working. So it has to be a new marriage based on a new basis. So we say if you, the first thing you need to consider doing is going away to a short-term workshop. At this seminar, we're going to have two sponsors, um, Be Broken Ministries and uh, Boulder Recovery. And they offer programs where guys can go away. And going away gets you in a concentrated format where the spell of this addiction can begin to be broken. Then when you come back, you likely will have to see a Christian therapist who understands and deals with sex addiction. It's helpful if you get a CSAT, Certified Sex Addiction Therapist. There are some in Jacksonville. Um, Because they will begin to help you to deal with your own lust issue because everybody's lust issue is different. Mm-hmm. Mine comes out of um, uh, childhood abuse. Uh, some other uh, persons might come in a different direction. So everybody's lust story is different. And the individual therapy can help to unpack that and give you tools to deal with it and come to terms with it. The third thing you need to do, and every therapist will tell you that you need to do this, and that is you need to be in a 12-step group It's focused on sex addiction only. Now, people tell me, what about Celebrate Recovery? Because it's Christian. I say, fine, go to Celebrate Recovery. But my experience is that you need to be in a place where everybody's dealing with this thing. It's a specialized thing. And you need to hear other people's story, and you need to tell your story and realize that you can be loved for who you are and not for what you've done. Because we've all done bad things, even though we've uh, maybe not been a sex addict. And then the fourth thing we need to do is we need to have uh, a friend who is just comes alongside us because often there's a period of adjustment. The, the man has to get another line of work. He has to um, put his marriage back together. Uh, if he's a pastor, maybe he's resigning from his church and has to go into a new vocation. There's all these tensions and shame issues that come up. And you need somebody that's just walking with you, having coffee with you, praying with you, saying, what can I do for you, and just walking with you because it's going to be a very lonely road mm. for that adjustment. If you do those four things, go away for a workshop, get a, a therapist to work on your own individual lust issues, go to a 12-step group, and I don't mean for three months. I mean for the rest of your life because once you're addicted, all the brain chemistry people will tell you that the, when you first look at porn, the, those um, 
pathways expand and they never go back to the way they were. Now, in sobriety, they uh, shrink, but they never go all go go all the way back. And so, if you're truly addicted, there's no recovery like alcoholism. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. There is no such thing as somebody who just was an alcoholic and suddenly is not. It's the same with a sex addict. Once you're a sex addict, you are addicted. But it doesn't mean it has to be in your face for the rest of your life. It means you can deal with this in fellowship if you work a program and you can live a very happy and even a better life than you were leaving, leading before uh, if you're willing to work your program. So, um, you know, you're talking about sex addiction. What percentage of people would you say, okay, like from my understanding of like specifically porn use, pretty much if someone's using it regularly, they're addicted to it, right? Like is that different from, is porn addiction and sex addiction, are they the same thing or are they their differences or? Uh, yeah, very good question. We often use the word porn addiction because it's an easy handle and the statistics on porn use are more hard than the uh, – Statistics that when you say sex addict, then you're dealing with uh, a judgmental mm. um, aspect of what that really means. So, um, what we do is we say we have a little a paper we uh, wrote called um, the four uh, encounters with lust. So, not everybody that looks at porn is a sex addict. Mm. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. So, the generally four experiences. The first one is to somebody who's never looked at it or almost never, and they just shut the door. And thank God for those people. There's not many, very many of them, but there are some. And if they're pastors, unfortunately, they can often uh, think that other people need to be like them. And so they preach, they preach morality, and it doesn't work. We can talk more about that when we get back. All right, so that is the first one. We will come back with the next three after the news break. But before we go to the news, I would like to give a shout-out to all our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, and all of our local listeners, 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkestone, Georgia. And finally, I'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening online, wherever you are in the country or around the world. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. And you can download our SWAT app in the App Store. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the news. Radio that was casting crowns with nobody. If you are just joining us, I am joined in the studio. Uh, Jay Haig is in for Doug McCary. He is from Living Without Lust. They have a men's conference that is coming up next Saturday. If you would like to, and also uh, a leaders dinner the night before on that Friday. So that's fi- Friday, February fourth, and Saturday, February fifth. If you would like to learn more, you can go to livingwithoutlust.com. That is livingwithoutlust.com. Um, 
before the break, we were in the middle, well, I guess just the beginning of talking about uh, the four different types of people and their reactions uh, to seeing porn. We talked first about the people who have either never looked at it or hardly ever looked at it because the first time they saw it, it was just, boom, shut the door, and, you know, that's it for them. And you were talking about how pastors, if they're like that, they think that everyone should be that way. So I'm going to let you pick it up from there since we were so rudely interrupted by the break. Well, I think that it's so important for pastors to understand this because inside the rooms of recovery, there are a lot of people who say, my pastor would never understand. Mm. Or I went to him and he said, you need to pray more and read your Bible, which all of us know that's really good. We (laughs) need to be doing that. But um, there's a deeper reality here, a deeper disease that needs to be tended to here. And the problem is that if pastor can come off as moralistic about this, uh, you need to repent, you need to do this, you need to do that, as if by um, doing these things we can magically make it go away. And all of us would want it mad to magically go away, um, which it doesn't. So we have to be very sensitive if we're somebody who's never been in that situation to realize that most people, somebody who is in that situation of never looked at it or, or never had a problem to realize that most of the world is not like us. And so we have to come with a different perspective in our preaching and in our teaching. So the second group is the people who say, I used to look at porn or I used to be addicted. The language is their own. I had a couple guys who were doing my air conditioning and I, he's asked me what I did. I told him about living without lust and they said, oh, I used to look at porn and I was delivered. Mm. I say, thank God. See, we're not all the same. There are people who have um, looked down the, the dark tunnel and they've said, you know what, I don't need to be here and I'm going to give it up. The difference between those people and the addicted people is those people still have their willpower. Mm. There are things that I have willpower over that I can quit, um, but I can't quit lusting on my own. So. That's the second group, and that's the people who used to do it. I've had people come up and say, what about people who used to but don't anymore? There are those people out there who are not all the same. The third people, third group is what we call the casual luster, and that is somebody, they're on their computer, they click on it, they look at porn, they stop, and then months will go by, and they're not going downhill. The, the, the whole definition of the addict, the addict has taken himself or herself out of the whole context of what is right or wrong. Telling them what is right, telling them what is wrong does not work. They simply go downhill and usually then to more risky behaviors or more risky stuff they're watching or getting involved in. Mm. That downhill slide is the definition of the addict. But the casual luster doesn't have that. And so the casual luster, if they're a Christian, they need to be in an accountability group where they're telling people, they're being honest with their brothers and saying, you know, I, I fell, I looked at porn last, I'm really sorry about it, I feel terrible about it, please pray for me, I'm going to tell you the next time I do it, if there is a next time. So they're being completely honest. The problem is when people are dishonest. You know, accountability is something that is overused in the Christian world. The problem with accountability, and I believe in accountability software and filtering software and on your computer, that has a, has a role, particularly earlier in recovery. But the problem with accountability is that you can lie to your accountability partner. Yeah. And if you're not truthful with your accountability partner, it does no good. So that's the casual luster. And then finally, the, um, the addict um, 
has taken himself or herself out of the whole context of what is right or wrong. They cannot stop, and they need a program and a power greater themselves that we believe is Jesus to help them and uh, to work a program. Because the main problem with a lot of this stuff is that people do it on their own. They say, well, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to read a book, or I'm going to go to a few meetings, and then I'm going to do it on my own. That doesn't work. We have to come out into fellowship, into honest, open fellowship. It's First John when he talks about as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus um, cleanses us from all sin. So what's the, what's the if there? The if is that if we walk in the light. That passage is saying if we are not walking with each other in the light, in truth of what's really going on in our lives, we can't have fellowship either with him or with each other. So we have to find a safe place where nobody's superior, nobody's from the outside looking in, we're all dealing with the same thing in the same room, and we're able to talk and tell our stories, and that's when the healing begins. So never lusted, former luster, casual luster, and true addict are the four encounters with lust. Hmm. Now, talking about the brain and how it messes with your head, looking at that and how um, different pathways are opened up and you have the dopamine kick and all that, and then how that affects your um, relationship with your spouse when you do get married or even if you're not married and you're maybe doing things you shouldn't be um, with another woman, just someone who's living, how that, uh, you know, that there's that barrier there. Um, I guess that affects all four levels, right? I mean, if you've seen it, it's going to affect you. Um, so yes. uh, from my understanding, it's, um, you know, if you kind of get into at least habitual use, then you, once you've gone six months to a year, your brain goes to a reset, your body goes to a reset, but that doesn't mean that those pathways aren't still open up. And if you start up again, those pathways will kick in again, and then you'll kind of spiral to whatever level you were at, whether it be, you know, casual or, uh, you know, a real addict, right? That's right. That's right. And the pathways are still there, and you always can always go down them again. I had a pastor once who actually drove into a retention pond. Oh, he went to the he went to the Jiffy, which is where he went for his coffee. He drove into attention pond. He said, "I learned a very valuable lesson." He says, "That which you look at, you will end up in." <laughs> and the the lie I told myself was, "It's only porn. It's a mm-hmm. it's a safety valve." Mm-hmm. That was a lie. If you look at it, you will eventually do it, and it paves the way because it's all the same brain chemistry, and that's what we have to understand. Um. But we need each other. You know, they said in the, in the old, in the AA, in our, my particular um, program of recovery comes out of AA. And AA was very big on the book of James, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. So they said addicts have to get up and they have to start doing things. They have to start going to meetings. They have to start reading literature, journaling, making calls, and serving others. And if the more they do in service, the more their attitude begins to change and the more they begin to live a new life. Because what's the, what's the essence of addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, or sex, or lust? It's self-centeredness. It's all about me. It's all about pleasing me. Mm. And we have to get out of that mindset and to get moving. And once we do, we begin to see that a new life is possible. Mm. That's good. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe what different common triggers are you know right you talk about everyone has like different things uh, what some of the, maybe the, the different triggers might be for people that get them into it and then sustain them into it 
Well, step four um, talks about our moral inventory. And our moral inventory, and then in step six, our character defects, both talk about our emotional triggers. Mm. So it's often an emotional trigger. So it's anxiety, it's fear, it's resentment. Uh, the big book talks about resentment being the main, um, the main trigger for alcoholism. And in Hebrews chapter 12, you know, it talks about that no root of bitterness come up lest anyone become immoral or irreligious. Where's, mm. where's the immorality? Where, there it is right there. The immorality and the resentment are connected. So normally the um, porn addiction, lust addiction is a, quote, an answer to a problem. So we learn to soothe ourselves from negative emotions by using this stuff to get out of this current situation. And so what we need is we need coping mechanisms to be able to deal with these emotions in a healthy way, a way that we're not left on our own. We need to talk to someone else. Um, We need to go to a meeting. We need to read literature and do whatever we need to do. Um, So there's emotional triggers. Then there's lust triggers. And a lust trigger... Because the pathways are a certain ways, it can actually be a fully dressed woman. Because when you watch porn and you see an attractive woman, what does the attractive woman do in porn? She takes her clothes off, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look, sometimes when you um, you uh, gaze and you kind of do the tractor beam from the Star <laughs> Trek, the tractor beam to an attractive woman, you think you're just looking at a, well, at a nice-looking woman but your brain is telling you she's about to take her clothes off. It's about to become a porn scene. And so all the adrenaline and the things that are produced in your brain are produced. So guys have to be very honest about what their triggers are. And often they'll do an inventory on the triggers. It can be rejection. It can be uh, a whole host of things. It can be out of town. Now, I was being out of town is a big trigger for a lot of guys because they're on their own. Mm. They're in a hotel room. They're lonely. They're looking for something to do. They're not accountable. Um, so those are some of the triggers. There's a lot more. Um, have you noticed any sort of a difference uh, now that we're talking about uh, younger generation to the kind of the older generation as far as to what those triggers are? Like, um, you know, like I said, there's plenty of young kids who are struggling with incontinence because they've been looking at porn since they were like five, right? Um, is there a difference in kind of how their brain chemistry is working compared to maybe somebody who uh, was pretty much on videotapes and uh, paper paperbacks or whatever? Well, I will say this. Um, from my experience, the younger this starts, the more difficult it is to get in touch with it. Mm. So if you, I know guys who were, uh, were sexually abused or they started masturbating when they were five, six, seven, eight oh, years wow. old. Oh, wow. And um, they're, they have the biggest struggle because it's it's like the two fish swimming in, the ocean and one fish says, how do you like the water? And the other one says, what water? <laughs> yeah. You're just not aware of it. Mm-hmm. You're not aware of it. So it's it's not so much any difference uh, with the age that you're in, although any uh, high-speed Internet stuff is goes directly into that brain chemistry much more than an old Playboy 50 yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, right? You're looking at live-action pictures compared to still having to use your imagination somewhat. Um, We are up against the final break of the program, so stick with us. We will be back in just a second. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. That is David Crowder with Red Letters. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. I am joined in the studio by Jay Haig with Living Without Lust. Uh, they have a men's conference coming up here uh, next Saturday. Sorry, I was going to say next month. Well, technically that's right. Uh, Saturday, February 5th from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Uh, there is also a uh, the night before on the 4th of February, there is a uh, leader's uh what is a dinner, right? It is yes, a, for therapists, pastors, leaders of Christian organizations. And that will be at 630. So if you would like to learn more, you can go to livingwithoutlust.com. That's livingwithoutlust.com. If you have any questions, you want to join our discussion, you can call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at taylor at swatradio.com. That's taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at swatradio.com. You know, Jay, during the break... We were talking about, um, you know, the church and what the church's response should be in all this. Um, I'd be interested to get your thoughts. I know you've probably thought about this a lot. I was thinking, you know, I've thought about this a little bit. I think I think part of the, the equation has to be on the front end, right, a robust understanding of marriage and sexual ethics, the Christian sexual ethic. And, and, and then even talking about, I remember I, I went to a Christian school, a Christian university, and I took this class, Biblical Marriage, and in it they talked about uh, just this is scientific stats about the people who have the most sexu- uh, satisfying sexual life are the people who've never had sex with anybody else did, and waited till they were in the confines of marriage. So many different things of benefits of waiting till you're married and being married for the, an individual that I never heard of. And, and my thought there was like, man, at that point it was too late. You know, I'd been uh, out for a while doing some crazy stuff, so it was like, man, I wish... I don't know if it would have made a difference, but I wish someone had told me that younger. And so from then, I've always thought, man, the church really needs to have a robust understanding of marriage. But I'm sure there's much more that the church needs to do. Yeah, Um, you're absolutely right. Um, You know, um, we need teaching on the purpose of sex, Mm -hmm. not just the purpose of marriage, but the purpose of sexuality, because 
the whole Bible points to this consummation. What is it? It's a wedding feast. It's a marriage feast. It's a consummation between the church and Jesus Christ. Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. There's all this biblical stuff that's there. The big mistake we've made in the last generation, we've said we've looked at sex, and when the message is to our younger generation is just don't do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, what is God's purpose in this? Because sex is like an icon. It's something you look through to a greater purpose of union, which you're head for. Paul, Paul says that if you want to look at Jesus and the church, look at a sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. Now, isn't that shocking? Mm. It's the union between a man and a woman is the greatest in marriage, is the greatest reflection of the relationship between Christ and his church. Now, we've been given a huge opportunity. When Paul went to Athens in Acts 17, he was in a pagan society. They had no idea who Isaiah was, Jeremiah, and any of the Old Testament. There's no purpose in him standing up and quoting the Bible. So what did he do? He looked at what was going on in their culture. He looked at their philosophy. He looked at their idolatry. He looked at their poetry, those things. When I was came a Christian, I became a Christian listening to rock songs and the message inside the rock song. Hmm. So what we have to do is realize we've been given this tremendous opportunity to address sexuality because that's the big deal in society today. It's all over the place, whether it's uh, transsexualism or LBGTQ or gay marriage or whatever it is, and the culture is yelling at us, we want a deeper message. And so we need to dedicate ourselves to get inside the scriptures and realize that the scriptures are dealing with this issue. If you read, if you want something to read, uh, read Christopher West's uh, books, uh, Fill These Hearts or Our Bodies Tell the Story. He's also written a big commentary on uh, theology of the body. It's all there, if we'll but, but we have to take the time to unpack it and we have to be fearless. You can get up and speak about sexuality without talking about a body part or a sex act. You can do it, and we need to do it. Yeah, and you were talking about, you know, in a broader context of, of where the culture's at, the sexuality and, you know, society's take on sex, I guess I would say that has been the main thrust that has led to the bifurcation of our culture. You know, we have two different worldviews now, and it, and it has come down to, you know, what it started from was uh, a sexual basically a sexual question or a want to loosen up the sexual bounds. And and it seemed like the church in response to that maybe missed, you know, what was really at stake there and where that could have led. And so it was like you said, well, just don't do it instead of saying, Oh no, no, no. You know, this is what they're selling you. This is though what the Bible talks about is much better and talking about the reasons why. And um, so outside of just, you know, interpersonally that there's a cultural issue at stake big time, um, with the church being silent on this. And we have the answer because God is the one who created sex, mm-hmm. and the church exists for God. So if there's going to be any answer, it's going to come from the Christian community if we can get into into this whole subject. And that's what this whole Sexual Integrity Leadership Summit is all about that meets. It's going to meet in St. Louis. It's all the people who are gathered together who are all in this, and they're the kindest, gentlest, wonderful, most wonderful group of people that I know and they're trying to come to grips with this as a corporate entity within American culture. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, I had another question as you, you were talking made me think. Um, is there? Do you guys deal with any sort of like, um, 
uh, talking about you know masculinity and because I think that's probably an issue too is what is it you know, biblically what's it mean to be a real man what does a real man do what does a real man look like because again what the culture says you know, a real man gets a bunch of girls right and he has a lot of money and so people buy into that either tacitly or implicitly or explicitly um, and so they go down this road of uh, the pickup artist you know and I'm going to get these girls and I'm going to do this and and then, you know, porn is makes you feel like, oh, you can get that girl and you can do this and that. And so I would imagine not only talking about sex uh, in its proper uh, confines of marriage in its proper confines, but what does it mean for you to be a man? What what is what is the highest aim that you should be striving for? Is that anything that you guys deal with? We don't deal with we don't get off into that because we feel like we need to stick to our knitting. But it's certainly a big part of what churches need to be talking about. Because we know that um, masculinity, for instance, used to be that you were a worker. You were out mm. in the fields and you were working the farm or doing. So what does it mean to be a man when you're in an office or you're just on a computer? And I think that's a lot of the changes we've felt is because the, the traditional roles of masculinity, masculinity have been devalued. And so we don't know what a man is anymore. And so we need that. But it's a spiritual thing and it's a relational thing. And it's a family thing. All of that uh, is part of what masculinity is. And the beauty of masculinity and femininity um, is something that's clearly in the scriptures and we need to be talking about it. Yeah, you know, talking about the broader context of a man. I I listened to a guy on a podcast say it was protect, provide, preside. And so then I looked that up. found out it came from a Mormon place, but it was protect, provide, preside, procreate. And I was like, well, proclaim is the fifth one. You know what I mean? And I think that. Uh, encompasses pretty uh, succinctly, you know, a different a bunch of different facets of masculinity and and what it be, uh, means to be a man, what God has called us to. And I think for some people, especially if you're you maybe in the second or third, that is something that is going to be very helpful as well. As far as okay, this is why I need to stop, right? And you you, you know you talked about when you're at that addiction phase, that those wants and stuff is kind of it's a different thing, but. Maybe if you don't get there, is that something that would be helpful? Or well, no? I think the thing that is is um, apparent to all of us is that in, in relationship to women, we need to be open people. We need to be uh, people that listen, people that think about our wives and are kind to our wives and give to our wives and think about how we can make them happy and what we can do for them, provide for our children. And those things kind of transcend masculinity and femininity because to some extent, some of the roles are going to be negotiated in the household. There are stay-at-home dads and working moms, and there are women going to the gym with, you know, building muscles and fitness, <laughs> and men who would rather work in the garden. I don't know, but um, all those roles that have been traditionally things with men and women just fell into, they're up for negotiation. They're up. They're not. If anyone wants to do those in a family, and you're communicating about it, and with understanding and accepting and agreeing then uh, you're perfectly free to do that. I think we have freedom in Christ to do that. I think the problem is a lot of people think that sexuality is something that can be invented based on my feelings. The latest woman who won Jeopardy, you know, she has um, an X and a Y chromosome, and that is a man. Mm-hmm. And we people are playing with reality uh, to some extent. I have no problem with people, I guess, wanting to do things um, that they feel like they need to do. But um, the reality is that God's created us male and female, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I, I agree, and I think that um, 
there's like you said, there's a definition. There's male and female. There's that that comes with the reality of what that means, and and you know, there's masculinity and femininity, and like you said, there's different ways that they play out. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't said, okay, I made you this way, and this is what I want you to to be, right? And then if we try to, you know, go against that, I mean, we're really uh, going down to the foundational levels of really trying to mar what God has made. Yeah. And so what's the truth? The truth is that um, many transsexuals, most transsexuals go back. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of, the, of that's the fact. And uh, some don't, but um, a lot of people who do that realize that how the body has been made. That's why I said the body tells the story. Where the body's been made is God's plan. It's easier to uh, adapt our emotions to our body than to our body to our yeah. emotions. Yeah, and, you know, we only got a few minutes left, but going down that, uh, that is just really, that's a that's an atrocious thing that we've done as a society um, rather than helping people, you know, with their emotions to say, okay, we're going to uh, change your body. And then I've seen plenty of different uh, people from different backgrounds really regretting it. And then they've made, you know, in some cases, drastic changes that can never be undone, uh, taking things that have changed their, their look that they can't get back and, just there's a, a tremendous amount of regret, and and for what you know, a, a transsexual community is a community that commits suicide at higher rates, regardless of if you've got surgery or not. And instead of really helping and meeting those needs, we're saying we're we're buying into that and saying, oh, you know. So anyway, great conversation. If you would like to check out Living Without Lust, you can go to livingwithoutlust.com. That's livingwithoutlust.com. The men's conference will be next Saturday, February 5th from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And the Leadership Summit will be the day before, uh, February 4th at 6.30 right? yes. yeah, p.m. Jay, so happy that you were able to come in today. It was a great conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you, Taylor. My privilege to be here. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great weekend. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual